0: Welcome to the Joyful Nourishment Podcast. This is a podcast about a relationship with food and eating, body image, eating disorder recovery, mental health, and more. I am your host, Lynn Thorstenson, a registered nutrition therapist and body image coach based in the West of Ireland. And I'm so glad that you're here. So welcome to another episode of the Joyful Nourishment Podcast. And today I'm here with Merta Kahn. Is that how you say it, Myrtha?
1: Oh, yeah, Myrtha Kahn. Myrtha
0: Kahn. She's <laughs> Dutch, so excuse my lousy pronunciation. Merta is here to really share some of her own lived experience with an eating disorder and eating disorder recovery. And before I sort of introduce some of her background, I just wanted to say that our intentions for this conversation today is to I think highlights a bit more of that lived experience and how like how isolating it can be when we're in the midst of it that we don't really talk about it with other people and it also often feels like we're the only one that don't have our shit together around food and eating when we're in the midst of it. And, um, but, of course, that's not true. You know, I work professionally with people who are struggling all the time, and I have plenty of clients unfortunately so it's it's not that everybody else has it together. It's just like that I think there's so much shame around it that it's really hard to talk about it um particularly like when we're in the midst of it, and one of the big things is to to take that step to maybe admit that things aren't going as well as we we think they should or that things have started to take over a bit too much. Um, and I'm sure we can talk about that, uh, Myrtha. But I'm just going to introduce you to Myrtha's background. So she has a Bachelor in Nutrition and Health. She's also a holistic dance and yoga teacher. And as we're here to talk about like her background, then simultaneously with this, uh, she had an eating disorder in her late teens and early 20s and as kind of part of that also developed all kinds of health issues um, then that sort of stemmed from this and this then I think led her to work in um, in the kind of food industry would you say from uh, she did a lot of recipe development she was a FODMAP specialist and had her own company and then and I'm sure you, you're going to go, tell us a bit more into details as from here, she kind of had a burnout and then dropped everything and did a 360 and decided to take her life in a different direction and and rebuilding her life away from working in the space of food. And so now she has been on this healing journey for over a decade and she's here to share her story and help us and help people through her own lived experience to get more comfortable in their own bodies and she's also in her work uses holistic dance yoga for this and I think you're going to have to tell me a little bit more with uh, what you talk about with this ITTI method is as well and we might get to that to the end but I am so excited that you're here and I'm really grateful for us to be able to have this conversation and I would love us to kind of start a little bit about your, what you want to kind of build on from this introduction that I just shared.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So welcome think- to the podcast.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a very good uh, summary, actually. Um, interesting to hear it from somebody else, like if you hear it back. Um, yeah, I think that that's the uh, the overall view of the journey and what i personally think also is interesting like how did it come to that and um because a lot of people think that an eating disorder is just that you want to be skinny and mm. a lot of times in my opinion actually actually or in my experience and a story it's not really about that it's and maybe people start to understand it more that it's more about control and it's different it's a lot of different things it's very layered um and I really experienced that too like it's not it wasn't as simple as like oh um I want to be skinny and then yeah that's it so
0: just went a bit wrong so what do you think like when you're and you know when we're in the midst of it it's really difficult to look at well what was their origins and what like how did I end up here It's usually when we got a little bit further into recovery that we get that space to kind of say, Oh, I can see now this kind of thing probably fed into it and this thing fed into it. So like from where you are now looking back, like what would you think were the things that contributed to your eating disorder?
1: Yeah. A lot of things. Uh, I think it started like I had a quite, in my experience and in like what other people told me quite relaxed childhood and everything went fine and and then things went wrong about when my parents got divorced that was like the big the overall story kind of and um i think i lived that story until i was 25. i was like no it was fine and okay not everything went well but it was kind of okay and then when you get out of it a little bit, like really get yourself out of the situation, you're not living in the, in the family anymore, you have your own home, et cetera. I started to see that things weren't really fine <laughs> or that everything was fine. Uh, like I had a lot of good things when I grew up, but I have a mother with very serious mental health issues. And that was something that really was difficult to talk about because people didn't see it from the outside so it was something that was very hidden. Uh, at home we noticed like and especially um, yeah I, I grew up with a brother and a sister and um, yeah I think we know of course we noticed it the first because we were living in it like uh, real time and every day. And I really started to see how this contributed to not feeling nourished. Like, seriously, I didn't have the mother love, kind of. So my nervous system was set in a way that it was used to having not enough nourishment and to have a lot of stress. Because, the like, the, I call it then the, the mother energy and, the, like, the nourishing energy that wasn't around. Like, I had to nourish her, actually. So when that moment stopped when I grew up and I was a teen it was like rebellion uh, a little bit I kind of stopped giving that to her like to my mother and then things went all kinds of wrong because then the whole structure of the family just breaks down a little bit yeah and I think like I really see that now and back then I really I, I didn't have any clue like I was in the midst of it and really strange but it's like you have a you have like a blanket over you or something you can't see what you're in it's yeah it's it's interesting but also strange and from that I think it developed like it it was just things at home were very stressful I couldn't talk about it with other people because they didn't really understand and um, yeah I just started to numb myself I think that's the, the best word And food is a very good thing to do that. Like little children even do that to control things. You know, I'm not going to eat because (laughs) I want to have attention. Yeah, yeah, so I, I started to control food, like very small steps. It wasn't big in the beginning. It was like tiny things. It was like, okay, I can, you know, do it like this. And then I have, now I see that, but I have a big control over that. And because your life just feels so out of control that's th- something you can hold on to kind of yeah yeah
0: i think that is such yeah. a valid point and i think that is it, it's like you said food is this tangible thing mm-hmm. that when other things that are maybe less tangible family dynamics mm-hmm. mental health challenges other stressors it's like we can't control them in particular i think even so when we're young adults or teens and we have even less agency because of you know developmental stuff and like the the age and like we live at home so like here's this thing that i can well if i if i decide not to eat this or if i'll skip a meal or i'll do different things it's like i'm taking that control back for myself and it feels good right did it feel good to do that? Like to...
1: I think that's a very good point you're making because in my head, I knew it wasn't healthy. Like, it did feel good in a sense because I had control and I had some kind of feelings because if you're very hungry, then it is a feeling. It's not a, you can say it's not a very nice feeling, but if you're used to numbing all your emotions, it kind of gives you some kind of sense of I'm alive yeah. instead of I'm just you know doing my thing but not really on the planet um and that really that really felt good and what also felt good I do uh like I was a teen and in your teens I think a lot of girls and also men but not so much like more girls very conscious of your body like oh everything is like oh that is not good and that And if you combine those two, you're like, ooh, I'm getting a little, I don't even want to call it chubby because I was just growing healthily. But at that moment, you start to um, go from a girl's body to a woman's body. And it's just different.
0: It's just different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And now I see it as a beautiful thing. But in that time, I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to turn into a woman. And in my head, it was very unconscious that really came later when i did a lot of the healing work on this but unconsciously i was was like i don't want to be a woman because then i'm going to be like my mother and that was just too painful Mm -hmm. like something i wanted to um how do you say that um avoid at almost all costs and a lot of people didn't really see that part. They just thought, okay, maybe just eat something more, you know. And it's uh, it's psychologically so much deeper than that. And um, yeah, I really understood that more when I got older and when I saw so could things uh, could see things from another perspective. And yeah, but it did feel good. It fe- felt good to have some kind of control, to have uh, some kind of feeling. Uh, to have control over uh let my body stay like tiny or not tiny but like girlish. I think that's more the thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, there's a lot of stuff <clears throat> and it just your story there like really demonstrates the complexity. And mm-hmm. then when you said like, right, there is that transition that happens through puberty as well, when particular as within our bodies are changing a lot and then you overlay that with like the cultural conditioning as well of well it like being in a bigger body is disastrous and so you know should also be avoided at all costs so there's kind of like those messages then I think can compound the other underlying things that are already there like to fanning the flame so how did that kind of like how did how did that then evolve for you as you sort of moved into from your late teens into your early 20s with all of these kind of different things going on
1: um well uh, I was very interested in uh, health always like it, it also comes from my family like I have a uh, a lot of people in my family are busy with health and nutrition and uh, exercise also like not excessive but normal like my my father is an uh is a gymnastic teacher for example so i always grew up with um healthy living but i see healthy living as a different thing than being skinny now like that time it was different but um, so I was very interested in that. So I started to study nutrition, nutrition and health in um, in Holland. And that really gave, gave me a bit more insight already in like, ooh, okay, what happens? What am I doing? Like, what, what am I um, eating and not eating? So the first year was actually very, very triggering. It wasn't very comfortable because you're confronted with food every day. like, And partly it was very nice because I was like, okay, that, that was the thing I could control. So if I could study that every day, it's like, I got my life in control. Um, yeah. Doesn't really work like that, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what it felt like at the time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and I already developed more of a conscious, of or around food, around healthy eating, what is healthy, what is not. So I think that also helped me actually in not developing a true eating disorder or not true. I think it's very, this is already a difficult thing. We talked about it before, but like, what is an eating disorder? Is it that you're in a hospital and not being able to function, or is it just that your mind is busy with food all the time?
0: Yeah yeah
1: it's it's uh i, I yeah. think
0: about it and this is my personal opinion that we are still across the board holding on to this stereotypes that basically like to have an eating disorder or a true eating disorders inverted commas is mm-hmm. when somebody is typically white young teenager thin and emaciated And unfortunately, a lot of the services also kind of position that people have to be that sick to get the amount of help they deserve um, or they need. But there is a whole spectrum of it, right? And like you said, I think if we're either questioning that, am I sick enough to get help? You're most likely sick enough to get help. And if you're if it's if food and eating is like taking over most of our waking time I would say something is amiss because of course we have these physical bodies they have to get fed several times a day it's normal to think about food a certain amount of the time right it requires planning shopping preparation and the actual physical eating but outside of that time and like when we're not hungry and if we're not hungry all the time probably can think about a lot of other things as well <laughs> but that's kind of this is from from my own lived experience. like it's really difficult to imagine that when you're smack bang in the middle of it and like mm-hmm. you're always thinking about food probably yeah. because you're not eating enough because you're hungry <laughs> like <laughs> so, <laughs> so like yeah. how so so yeah it's a, again I think do you think that if you didn't have the backdrop of an eating disorder that you would have chosen nutrition as the field of study?
1: I don't know. It, it, maybe not because it was never really my... It sounds very strange like saying it now because people always saw me, saw me as like, okay, Myrthe is just somebody who's busy with food all the time and i was a recipe developer so it was very easy to hide behind that uh yeah career path actually which i also really loved so it's not only that it's it, again it's layered so like i really love to be creative with food and i really like that but when i started to study nutrition i from the start i already didn't really feel the 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 true passion about all the numbers about food, it's also, uh, it's not really back then, uh, at least not a very holistic uh, education. So it was very concentrated on, yeah, I see it now all paradigm kind of things like, okay, if you uh, want to lose weight, you have to, you know, drop your calories or something. And back then I already didn't really feel comfortable with that. So there already was something in my mind like, "Eh, it's not that I don't really believe in it that much, and yeah, I don't know. And a friend of mine started to study it, and I really think that also contributed to, to that. Like, okay, she's gonna do that. I don't know what I want to do with my life. Uh, I'm already busy with just handling home and staying alive, kind of like I was very in um, in uh, in a lot of trauma responses and fight and flight, etc. So it was also maybe an easy choice and i really wanted to do back then actually uh, um, uh, a um training in a musical like dancing and singing and you know more artistic way of things but i was just not confident enough to do that so i thought like i can't do that so i'll have to choose something else so maybe i wouldn't do that in in like if i choose now but it things went how it went so i'm not yeah. um, yeah I'm not thinking like oh my
0: god I, <laughs> I chose yeah you. and you're still you know it's never I don't I don't believe it's you know we what's it saying we we get what we need as well yes. you know yes. so even if the choice would been different now or but it is it is what it is and it has also given you um The experience through that but i want to circle back to the other thing that you said though that it was easy even when you went in then to into the recipe recipe development part Mm -hmm. to kind of like hide behind that so yeah what what did your relationship with food look like then when you were like developing recipes and trying things and cooking and like what did it look like what did you're eating and your relationship with food look like parallel to that
1: process uh, it's a very interesting question I I was very conscious of what I ate uh, but it also went in like I ate a little bit too little and then too much and it just was yeah never really safe and peaceful it was also always something going on kind of um and like i i ate my vegetables and i like i ate a normal kind of normal healthy diet but very low in fats so that is also something that uh eventually actually got me into other health problems uh, because if you don't yeah fuel your fuel your body properly you'll end up with other things but yeah how it looked it was just thinking about it all the all day long like my head was just consumed with food and but also recipe development so it was a very strange combination because partly it was truly what i loved to do because i'm a very creative person so i love to think about new things and love to taste new things and that also was something that really gave me joy so it wasn't only difficult and and you know thinking about that I shouldn't eat or something something so part of the day was really about joy about yeah new things new uh, new countries and you know different flavors Uh, but that also made me in a or I put myself in a position with that that I didn't have to think about the feelings or I didn't have to feel my feelings about how my life in general was, and how my childhood went, et cetera. So it was also very easy, exactly what I, yeah, what I said, what you said, to hide behind it, because I was just consumed with that, so I didn't have to think about the other things. Mm. and um, And also that because I didn't nurture myself on a regular, proper, peaceful basis, Um, I did have like we talked about it before and we actually first like we share it and it's something that also feels a bit vulnerable but I think it's important to share because I learned in my education a lot of things like okay if you binge or if you um, uh, vomit for example then you have an eating disorder you know so I was like okay I just don't do that then I don't have an eating disorder but what I did do was eat a lot of stuff and then spit it out it sounds very strange now it's like when i think about it now it's like what did i do but it was the th- that i had the taste and the feeling and but i didn't want to like get fat i mean i was never fat just to be clear about that actually uh, and even if i was like it's not a reason to um yeah torture yourself like that let's just say it like that yeah and in my head it was like okay I don't have an eating disorder because I don't do the really you know big weird things but it's not normal if you eat something and spit it out no
0: not really like that is a pretty disordered behavior yeah and I think as well I mean again it's different if you're like tasting things and you don't like it or you're working with um like texture sensitivity or yeah, that yeah. that's a different thing but that's not what we're talking about here it's that kind of underlying well fair awakening and you know back to control so i it's kind of well it's a stepping stone to purging as well um and yeah. some people might do that and if that's not kind of some people don't do that but it's like and it can be a quite difficult habit to get out of just stop doing that as well it was was hard to stop doing it
1: it. really been a journey yeah yeah um yeah because yeah I just wanted to say actually that like I wasn't able to um purge and I actually think if I was I maybe would have done that but I just couldn't like physically couldn't so maybe my body was already protecting me like don't go that route don't (laughs) go that way yeah, yeah I'm very happy with that. And later in life, when I did recipe development, I actually did use the. It sounds a bit strange, maybe for people if you don't work in it, but uh, I did spit things out, and also with wine tasting. But that's a different thing because if you don't do that, you seriously get sick of everything you're eating, and you have to taste like coffee. Uh, you know, people yeah. coffee and stuff did do that too. So. Uh, but that's a different thing. It,
0: that's a I different think- thing as well. Yeah, that's not that's not quite
1: what we're talking about when no, like
0: this sort of no. that behavior, which is definitely disordered behavior. Yeah. Yes,
1: and I think the most important thing behind it is the intention where you do it with, and the thing that, like, the story that plays in your head. Okay. The story that played in my head was different when I did like spitting at stuff, et cetera, then when I did it at work with uh, recipe development, like that was a different world. So, um, but how I got out of that, yeah, it took a long time. It really took a long time and it it made me, uh, or it forged me to be more patient with myself because, uh, i'm now 36 so i'm i'm like in a way different um uh time in my life but when i started seeing that it wasn't really good i think it was when I'm, i don't know, I was 25 or something 24 24 25 and uh yeah my english I, we just talked about it english isn't my first language so sometimes it's might be difficult but you have the the um you have like this expression of being conscious of something and then first it's like you're you're aware but it doesn't go naturally or you have like this thing
0: yeah um i don't know what the word is in dutch but like Mm -hmm. i remember my mother my swedish mother saying that just this like word which in english translates to like a lag time so they're the awareness grows that something is probably isn't working for me anymore, or it's not helpful anymore, or I don't feel well doing this or, mm. um, and that could be, you know, we're talking about our relationship and food here, but it can be in other things like in our work or in a relationship or yeah. wherever we're living. And then it's like, yeah. And you know, you have, you kind of know like inside, yeah. you know, but you mightn't have a path to how you can change things or what that could look like or maybe you're not ready and that sort of lag time that can be a few years and i think in there is a i don't know if you've ever come across this concept but it's called um the stages of change is the prochaska and de clement is like five stages of change and they have a one of the stages is pre-contemplation and that's really kind of what we're thinking about. Mm -hmm. So it's like the step before you even contemplate to actually doing something about whatever it is you want to change. And then you move into the stage where, okay, you're actively working on changing, whether it's an eating disorder behavior, it's like moving your career in a different direction or changing your relationship or whatever. And then what we often don't talk about, we think then, like their model is like, well, then you move into action and then technically you move into maintenance and you stay there. But the thing is that you kind of move from action and then you can, you know, it's hard to maintain whatever the change, right? So then we kind of move either back into contemplation again or even pre-contemplation for different reasons. And I read somebody years ago, so I don't know if this is actually action, but that it takes at least seven rounds of that cycle before yeah. we can move into a steady state of maintenance so basically that we get derailed that's part of the process and it's to kind of continues to come back to like contemplation and interaction again over and over in order to maintain like like when you people talk about stopping smoking it's like you might have to stop 20 times before yeah. it yeah. sticks right and yeah changing eating disorder behaviors it's not a one and done thing either is it
1: no and that's that's exactly it's a behavior it's not it's like a built identity almost like you you built your life on something and if you all of a sudden stop that you're like okay oh my god what you know your your life kind of feels even more out of control um Yeah. And I really felt that because I'm somebody who likes change like yesterday, and not, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, I'm conscious of it. OK, I'm going to change it. And yeah, it really didn't work like that. Uh, it was going that loop over and over again and then going crosses and going from that step to that step. And it really took a lot of self-compassion. And um, I eventually got into yoga also. And that really helped me, too to develop some other qualities than just control. Like, yeah, yeah, leaning back more into my feminine side and like, okay, it's okay to fall back. You know, you're not uh, stupid or you're not worthless because of that. Um, And for me, it took a long time uh, also because I had that background of having mental health issues in my family that... Uh, I already had this voice, like, it, yeah, this voice in my head that was not very loving. It wasn't helpful in, you know, uh, yeah, when I, when I dropped back a little bit or when I fell, fell back a, a bit, then uh, it was very harsh. It was so harsh. When I think, like, I still sometimes hear it now, but it's way less loud than back then. Um yeah, so it took a very long time, a lot of trial and error and a lot of um, eventually even, and I think that where it really, like it, it kind of stopped in a way and I kind of forgot when. It, it wasn't like, okay, today it's stopping. It actually went into this process of, okay, it's not very healthy for me. My body is also really telling me that I'm not living a very healthy life um I had all kinds of other health issues I didn't have a period for a long time like a lot of other things went on and eventually I just got so sick of it I was like okay I need to do, change something about it and it was really a big process of healing a lot of other things and I'm still in it like I think nobody's ever yeah. like totally healed and and uh enlightened and stuff but <laughs> But um it really was a process of like slowly yeah being more compassionate and seeing myself doing it and also in the end seeing myself like when do I do it? When do mm. like when do I have the urge to to have this sensory feeling of nourishment, but not giving it to myself. So I'm having the sensory nourishment, but I spit it out so I actually don't give myself nourishment if you think about that like a bit deeper it's very interesting it's very
0: yeah yeah and what is the barrier there to kind of because it's sort of like a teaser and then and if you do if you do want to share like I would be really curious to find what was like what was it for you that opened that like literally the permission and the space to receive that nourishment from yourself and from yeah. the food again
1: well unfortunately for me it was a very big wake-up call it wasn't very um um friendly my body just stopped functioning i went into big burnout and that had all kinds of reasons so it's not only the um, the eating disorder things um and when i got into a burnout i already changed a lot of my thinking and behavior uh, around food. So I wasn't in such a kind of, yeah, bad place, uh, quote unquote, as I was when I was 20, but my body just stopped. It was like, okay, it's enough. You gave 30 years of your life. You just gave like constantly giving, doing very masculine energy, very, uh, yeah, just not nourishing myself literally in in all kinds of areas in my life. So not only food, but like everything. And I was at home for a year, like I literally couldn't do anything. I just was in bed, I like I could do a a few things, but I had panic attacks, like my whole body was just screaming all kinds of signals like this is not the way (laughs) you need to change and um yeah so i did very slowly Um, it was a total different way of living that i have now than when i got into burnout and what's also interesting that i actually already was before that i have been depressed like very depressed i had we say um like the precursor of burnout is, I don't know how you say it in English, but it's what's it in Dutch? It's overspannen. <laughs> um,
0: like like overworked, or overwhelmed, yeah, or overworked something
1: over-around. like yeah. I already had that when I was twenty, and then again when I was twenty-five, and again. <laughs> so there were already a lot of signs. It was like, okay, Meta, this is not the way. But if you don't want to listen, then. Um, yeah, so now I see it as a good thing, but back then oh oh my god, it was so difficult. Uh because I had to stop doing everything I did. I had to drop all my coping mechanisms mechanism. Like everything I did to kind of keep myself above water just fell away. And uh yeah, I can now say I I just dropped into darkness for two years. Um and slowly got out of that step by step, step by step and realizing like, okay, if I'm burnt out now, it's not gonna help me if I'm gonna do something that doesn't nourish me. So I need to nourish myself. And that was the, the starting point of truly nourishing myself. So not on a superficial level, but really thinking about feeling also feeling in my body not only going into that head but like going down and um yeah from there on it really changed yeah but it really changed like not like tiny things but yeah
0: yeah it sounds like the the yeah what's it called like the the breakdown was the breakthrough and it also sounds like you know in the previous times and we're in that sort of age of feeling a bit frayed but there's enough capacity maybe due to youth or you know because it's early on there's just enough to kind of like push through or just pull it back a little bit but then go back to doing the same things that we were before that sort of got us there mm. until unfortunately it's like
1: no more no more yeah and, and I- I was very strong-willed and i had a lot of energy when i was young and i i also think that it was because i was so used to not having nourishment that i didn't even i wasn't even conscious of it i was just so unconscious i was like okay this is life like this is normal yeah it's not but um yeah i, th- I also think that really um how do you say that made it um last so long and that's why i talked about it in the beginning like because what yeah do you think you could think like what does your mother with mental health issues have to do with eating disorder but for me it was really the way my whole nervous system was wired it was just not in a very healthy wiring it was firing on stress all the time so if you're used to that you don't really notice it and that's why I do think that that burnout was very in the end very helpful in the middle it wasn't very pleasant
0: no 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 I imagine it was not and I think again I feel like anybody listening there's definitely people that might be able to relate to parts of your story or some of it and that it isn't unfortunately uncommon either that we get to this place of like like burnout where it's like literally you don't have a choice but to yeah. just to drop mm-hmm. everything because we've tried too many times already to push through and now the tank is like truly empty
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's just the only thing that is going to fill it back up again is complete like rest and changing things to. Yes.
1: Yeah. started
0: that like nourishment you know I use this sometimes with my clients like this analogy of a car like particular when it comes to like fuel like food of course our bodies are not as crude as cars but for example if you are somebody who is often like undernourishing or under eating it's like putting driving your car and expecting you're gonna go I don't know like a long distance journey and you're putting you know fuel so expensive at this time of recording but say you're putting 20 euros into it and you're thinking yeah yeah that that will do me and then all of a sudden the gauge is on that red and you're like kind of starting feeling a bit anxious because you don't know where the next petrol station is going to come up on the motorway and you're like or you know if you think that you're going to get there you have to drive really really slow Because if you're going very slow, that actually burns less fuel, even in a car. But it's going to take you. It could take you days to get there, even when if you're putting, if you're flying along on the motorway, you know, you burn more fuel, but you get there quicker. So it's like, it's kind of that. But also then when we're kind of moving to this place to really refuel ourselves, that's like you go to the fuels, the petrol station, and you fill up the tank, because you can afford to do that. And you know that when you fill it up, you can drive away. You can be listening to the music or a podcast and you can be relaxed because you don't have to worry when the next petrol station is coming up Mm -hmm. on the motorway because you know that you have enough in the tank to get get you where you want to go.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and when you speak about that, I also think about um, the – uh the oh my god you said it permission for yourself to nourish yourself and the the permission to give yourself fuel like not expecting your body to be on red all the time
0: yeah
1: and that was something what actually gave me panic attacks in the beginning and this sound you hear it a bit more now actually when I listen to other podcasts and other people speaking about also other subjects but if your normal is stress then when you get into a peaceful nourishing place your system can actually freak out in the beginning because it's like oh my god what is happening this is not what i'm used to get me out of here
0: yeah
1: um so that was the, the a journey of a few years also to see that I was so used to stress and people, also people not treating me well, actually, so it's not only food, but um, and to give yourself permission, like, okay, it's, it's actually okay to put up boundaries. If somebody doesn't treat you well, it's okay to move towards people who do treat you well. And that can be safe and that's the same with food like very slow process okay moving from foods that don't really treat you well or that it's not enough that you move slowly towards okay what is nourishing what does give my body uh you know everything it wants and needs and that's so much more than only having your vitamins yes yeah it's also soul food and so much more (laughs) yeah yeah
0: and thank you for sharing that and that that is a a process in and of itself and that yeah at the beginning of that 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 can be actually make you feel worse
1: and that was so strange because I thought I'm now treating myself well like why am I freaking out and I still have that sometimes that I I just, I'm so not used to having it good that if it's good for a long time, I'm like, okay, where's the trouble? Where's the where's the stress? You know, you always go looking for it. um And that takes time and I'm still in that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So like, what would you say, like, did you have any, like over the years as you kind of got to the place where like, okay, Something needs to be done, and then then there was a burnout and like have you had professional support throughout your recovery in these different layers? Have you done a lot of it on your own? You know you know you mentioned yoga previous, that was yeah. really helpful. like what has some of those they ba- practices or therapies that have been helpful to kind of nurture you back to a different
1: kind of health? yeah well that's an interesting story in itself (laughs) i'm very stubborn so i want to do things myself and i have to be very um something has to be good if i want to do it because there's a lot of things out there in the healing world and in therapy world etc and um I also don't trust everybody. So a big part of the journey was alone. Also because I didn't really share about the eating disorder things. So nobody really knew it was in, in my head. Like people, I think people do see it. And I, I heard a few comments when I was getting, like I got to a period where, where I did get really thin and then I had a few comments and that made me change a little bit because I didn't like the 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 wrong attention. So I was like, okay, that's not something I do want. So let's move away a bit from that. But mostly I did it on my own. I searched a lot of things online. I read a lot of books. Um, and I did ask for, for help, uh, but that, it has always been a difficult thing for me because that also has to do with my mother is actually a therapist in the mental health industry. Let's just say it like that or um, psychosomatic. Do I say it right? Yeah. world. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was always a big alarming sign. Like I don't want to again, I don't want to go that route. I don't want to be in that world. I don't want to go to therapy because that's only gonna make things way worse. Uh, So that in and of itself took a long time for me to actually be able to use the word trauma without me spiraling into um, big panic. And yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, But I did get some help along the way, but I, yeah, I did a lot of things myself yeah yeah
0: yeah thank yeah. you thanks for sharing that and tell me about then just the yoga like how did you kind of find your way into yoga and what and then the dance yoga that you are a teacher in I'm really curious about that um just closer, I'm not somebody who's practiced a lot of yoga but I have been fortunate enough to dance with five rhythms teachers mm-hmm. I know if you're from it yeah which I found incredibly healing and embodying and just amazing kind of yeah it's just an amazing practice um so yeah just tell me like what what how like how did you how did you sort of move into come across that and what it's been so helpful then in in your healing journey with that with that kind of with those kind of practices
1: i think that was the biggest healing in my whole journey and uh, so I said like I didn't get a lot of help like I did get some but I do go to yoga classes and I went to there so then you get help in a way but you have to do it yourself and that's something I really like because then you're not dependent on something or somebody but you do have this space where you can relax and somebody's watching you know if you if something happens so for me that was a very safe space to heal because somebody was watching, but not so much as a therapist does. You know, talking to you and really straight, um, yeah, in your face. <laughs> and so that was already a setting where I was feeling a lot more comfortable. And with that, I went to into yoga and I realized, okay, my body just needs more attention. You know, I need more body awareness. I didn't have very well body awareness because I just. Shut my body off. You know, I was living from, you say, the head and up or chest and up. <laughs> so, so, yeah, something like that. Uh, and I was totally not embodied. um So, that really helped me with processing emotions, also to drop into feelings of sadness, of grief, of being able to allow the more difficult th- feelings and not always searching and reaching for the happiness because when I did that I was actually getting depressed and when I started to allow the negative feeling or negative even I say it now it's interesting by the way talking about conditions more
0: difficult the difficult yeah. ones yeah I mean <laughs> they are usually harder there to feel sadness yes. and grief and
1: yes and that really helped me with processing that so that was my therapy almost like yoga was my therapy And I did that for quite a long time. And then it kind of started to move into a way of, I wanted to step more into the lightness of it all because I did a lot of yin yoga also. So it's really, you know, getting to yourself, getting to the darkness and um, also that the darkness can feel safe. Uh, But I really wanted to do something more expansive and more joyful and that's where the dance yoga came in. That it made, yeah, just life. You know, I already mm-hmm. you feel lighter and um, make it fun. You can step out of outside of the yoga mat, so you don't have to. It it also it's like ma- metaphorically a bit. You don't have to stay into the lines of your yoga mats into the box, but you can step out of that. And that was really nice and nur- and nourishing actually for my. Now I see that, like inner child, also and uh, for my playful side because I do have that huge time actually <laughs> I love to play. Um, yeah, so that really helped in the healing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah and it sounds as well like like a body based practice was really helpful as well to reconnect and creating that space for feeling the feelings. Yeah, and I love like how it sounds from where I'm sitting like to the yoga practice and using different types of yoga, like Yin yoga and then getting to a place where a part of you or your body says, okay, now I need more mm. life or coming back into life and more expansiveness and more yeah. space and moving in a different way that feels different. And for me, one of the things that has been amazing with the, with the dance, like, five rhythms it's like it's like a moving meditation but there's so much space to do to just like being your body and I think for me personally like having the music also helps like that creates a different kind of environment and container for I suppose evoking feelings and feeling them and just yeah I don't know there's something something really powerful to that and then I think as well sometimes that like what you said about in yoga and actually came up with one of my clients in a conversation where being in a room with other people and people and other bodies and being held because you have somebody's holding the space when it's difficult to like just be in your body you know and because sometimes I think it can be really difficult to do that on your own, particular when like we're practicing and we're already struggling with that. Like I've had that experience when I've been on meditation retreats as well, like sitting in silence, meditation with, meditating with other people. It's, it's hard to describe what that feels like if you haven't experienced it, but it really you feel held in a very different way than when you're doing
1: that kind of practice on your own. Yeah. You feel held. Yeah. Exactly. The thing that, uh, I, I, I don't know exactly uh, about your story of, of course, but I didn't feel held when I was younger. And so you take that into your adult life and then yoga class in that setting can be very, really, you know, um, regulating for your nervous nervous system and it just yeah makes you feel health. yeah exactly that
0: yeah 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 and it's just maybe something for for somebody who anybody who's listening to this conversation as well to reflect on and see what is that like and again i think you need to find the right teacher where there's the the right teacher for you <laughs> where you're at whether that's your yoga practice or meditation teacher or dance teacher like just find your teacher um where you feel like it's a safe space um, and with your people so that you can allow that space to to be and to rest and
1: yeah and really listen to yourself in that also because not every yoga teacher is your person and that's fine It's like, it's not their fault, it's not your fault, it's just, is it a match or not? And I've done a lot of classes where I was like, nah, not again, or teachers where I didn't like the voice of and I really liked the person, but just I couldn't really relax into that voice and, and really seeing that that's okay too, because other people can relax in that voice and also see what kind of practices are good for you in that moment and like with uh, I teach living your ladi zen and that's a practice that also really has a holistic view. So in the winter time you do different things than you do in the summertime, and you have different energy systems working. And that also has to do with Chinese medicine. And um, yeah, don't don't have like a fixed thing like oh this is has to be it for the rest of my life. And then no, it can change. You know, you change, and yeah, we all change. I think I just wanted to say something about the music by the way because that was uh, you said with the five elements I think it's very powerful because music can give you feelings like we all know that it's not new information but um when I was in my burnout and like Uh, Yeah, being conscious of also not only my own system, but also other systems in like a lot of things went going on simultaneously. Um, Music really helped me to process my feelings and dance it out. So I sometimes just put on very loud rock music or something, not not very, you know, the, the flutes and the peaceful things, but really harsh music because i felt so angry about something or about what happened back then and i didn't want to project that on other people i yeah that's something i don't like and don't think it's very fair and healing also but i did need to process it like i did need to do something with it and on my own it was very difficult to get there because it was a bit scary and I really judged my anger and I judged my, yeah, um, more big feelings. And when I put on music, I just danced it out. And I also believe that traumas are in your body. So if you make room and if you let it flow and then, you know, it gets lighter in the end. So music is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And thanks for thanks for circling back <laughs> to that as well. So, tell me, what does your life look like now, and like where where do you feel you are in your healing journey now? Just to give people kind of a sense of. So you're a few years out of your like on your recovery from your burnout as
1: well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm fully healed. <laughs> 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 I I think I never will and uh, or that's what I believe but um I'm a totally different person and at the same time more myself so it's sometimes a very strange feeling it feels very peaceful and very nice but I'm also so different than 10 years ago it almost feels like who was that person and with peaceful, I don't mean that I don't have any things going on still because I'm still on a journey of healing relationships, of healing um, yeah nour- nourishment and I still struggle with or yeah struggle I think maybe it's a bit bit of a big word, but uh, my intent like my intestines, my um, my digestive digestive system has always been sensitive. From when I was very young so that's not very new but it really didn't get enough nourishment for 10 years so I still have that um, going on at the moment so I can't just eat everything and think my body will be fine with it so it's a very interesting balance of having very nourishing foods and giving myself soul food and, you know, also baking cakes and enjoying myself and really get into the pleasure of food and eating. And at the same time also have to restrict some things, which I don't necessarily like because the the word restriction already gives me a sense of like, I want it. But if I eat, for example, um, or drink two glasses of milk I just get sick so for me that's also not pleasure if you get sick from food it's not yeah very pleasurable yeah. Um, so I'm still on that journey of healing my my body and my systems and it's already so much better than it was um, yeah but it's just a balance also like yeah
0: And the complexities of being a human. And I think this came up as well in a conversation with some people I had recently around recovery and, you know, weren't necessarily just talking about eating disorder recovery, but like recovering from addiction or what are health challenges and other mental health challenges as well. Like, does it, does it like ever end? Yeah. And... I think yes and no, in the sense <laughs> yeah. of, yeah. I think it's for me personally, it feels like important. Bit like with grief, it's like does it ever end? No, and it also gets it can get a lot better than where yeah. you are because different lived experiences that we have or that we've had in the past, they do shape us. I think, yeah. but. The work that we're doing like whatever that looks like any the any of the healing work that we do and in ways that we learn to better take care of ourselves it does get easier yes. if you're not saying it does get easier right so like if somebody's like in the beginning of this because otherwise I'd feel like, like well what's the point yeah. <laughs> you know it's like well there's lots of points to why embarking on a recovery journey is worthwhile because it does get easier and it does open up way and it does i think i mean the point of it is to to help us get a better quality of life whatever that looks like and that might look different from each individual yeah and again i see this in my clinical practice as well that's like we have to really be aware that we monitor our expectations too that it's like if we have had a lived experience of an eating disorder for example or a difficult relationship with food it's unlikely like that, that would ever entirely go away that there's always things that can be you know a little bit triggering or like for me personally i just know that i could never diet again because that would really just undo like like yeah. it's just not a a thing yeah. i can do and again like what you're saying which makes it difficult when you've had a lived experience with an eating disorder or disordered eating And you might then end up in places where well not all foods really work for my body or at all times and like how do we navigate that so that that doesn't sort of feed into those old brain pathways you know of thinking and it's just that kind of balance that you that you speak of. And the same with like our bodies like we're not gonna never like not like them again it's like you know there's days they don't they're not comfortable places to be in or you don't like what you see in the mirror but the difference is like for me anyway it's like I hear that old story and then I just go about my day yeah
1: you know it's like it's
0: not like it has the impact it would have had years ago where like oh god I feel this way about my body now I'm gonna have to like do all of these other unhelpful behaviors to try to deal with that it's like oh here goes that old story again yeah okay that's unpleasant and then I just carry on eating whatever you know it's just you know it's like and it's but and also like like this the critical voice gets less loud maybe you know when we're working on self-compassion and taking care of ourselves it doesn't go away but it's just like I think it's in. I think it was in Elizabeth Gilbert's book. She talks about that. And if you have read that big magic that came out God, a long time ago now? And she talked about like how she put it in the book. I think it was the inner critic, and she said, "Well, it's never going to go away. So you just have to take it on the ride. But what you can do is like remove it from the driver's seat and put yeah. it maybe in the boot. You know, <laughs> like that's the exactly.
1: Exactly. but
0: holding the expectations too, particularly if we're already coming from a place of perfectionism that comes from a place of control Mm. it's just like this isn't about control even in the recovery process like it's about having more space to be flexible and making meeting ourselves with kindness and and those kind of things right
1: so much truth in that
0: yeah Mm so i i just want to round our conversation off by two things. I was really curious about this ITTI method that you are teaching. And then of course, and I know you have alluded to this throughout our conversation today around what joyful nourishment look like for you, which is something I ask everybody.
1: Yeah. Well, the, um, the interesting thing that once I started my healing journey and really, really healed some things, my interest in food just got less and less and less. It was not so interesting anymore. like i i I still like sometimes to really cook nice foods and stuff, but not so day consuming. And I just got sick of it. Like I was like, oh my God, doing like working with food all day, I just can't anymore. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't feel the passion anymore. And uh, I totally didn't understand it back then. And now I'm like, oh, that was actually might have been a good thing. <laughs> um, so I started thinking about okay, what do I want to do then? Like what 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 is my interest in life? And I'm still on that path. Like I'm not fully um, uh, knowing what I want to do with the, like the rest of my life. But I am really into bodywork, into dance yoga. So that's something I uh, did an education in, and I teach and. I really love that. And uh, the ITTI, that's something to do with talent analyzing, like personality tests, kind of. And what really interested, uh, what was really interesting for me in that that it's something that really portrays your personality in a way where it isn't negative or positive. It's just the way you are and in which field or which kind of work or Person like also personal life or you know how do you do other things um where is it the best place for you to be and that's very interesting like there's a lot of going on also unconsciously and are you a very creative person or not are you an, an analytic etc so i'm really interested in the also the, the psyche of people but psyche embodiment so I it's still kind of health-based like I think that's something I always will be interested in but now it's more holistic so it's um yeah not so pointed to one subject of food but now it's more of a holistic dance yoga is also to do a lot a little bit with, with food but not so much and it's also very nourishing if you have a job where you feel very good and comfortable in and the ITTI method can help you with uh, pointing out which jobs are suitable or not. So it's very nourishing if you have a good job. So yeah. that's thing. And then well, how does your jo- joyful nourishment look to me? I have one word where it was like, okay, that's like the big where it, where it kind of hangs uh everything around it but it's pleasure and with that it's not only to go wild on sugary things because it gives you so much pleasure actually that doesn't give me pleasure because I just feel sick my body just doesn't like that um but it has to do like with what kind of also healthy foods, because I am still into healthy foods, but in a different way now, it's more, if I give myself healthy foods, then my body will feel good. And then I can do what I want to do. And that gives me a lot of pleasure. (laughs) If I'm fit and vital and active, it gives me a lot of pleasure. And if I can relax into having my own baked apple pie, because I have, You know, without some things I'm not so um, where I'm sensitive to I make my own stuff but it's not restricting me in the amount that's maybe also the, the biggest thing like I do have restriction in some like types of food but that's health related and now it's if I want to eat chocolate or something I have my own healthy kind of chocolate and I eat it if I want to have some salad, I eat it and I don't overeat because overeating does not give me pleasure. <laughs> mm. Undereating does not give me pleasure. Yeah. And also, not only with food, so it's nourishment in all senses, like all things in life, it's relationships. It's, yeah, it's a lot more than only food.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's a pleasure from, non-food things and like pleasure like relationships that feels nourishing and supportive and other things Yeah. yeah i i love asking people that question because it's so interesting to hear the different answers yeah and some people related directly to food and some people related away from food and for some people it seems to be a combination of of both and yeah, I love pleasure as a as a guiding principle in our life. Yeah, we don't we don't necessarily. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation we could have around, you know, that. But I think it circles back to some of the things you said earlier around. Allowing yourself to receive that nourishment. Yeah. From, not just food, but from other things, and that, I think that, is a big part of healing our relationship with food eating in our bodies and it can take different shapes throughout that journey but underneath sometimes there's often that difficulty in doing just that
1: yes yes. for
0: different reasons you know but yeah
1: yeah and allowing yourself to be yourself in whatever body you are in like i'm a woman and i love my feminine body now and That is something that doesn't really get taught a lot. Like it's a lot of things like what isn't good? What should you change? What is, oh oh my God, you know, all the magazines that only come up with all these things. I'm like, okay, that's just not helpful. And it gives you so much joy and peace and pleasure to feel comfortable in your body, like in your own body, not wanting to change it.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: and that's still sometimes a journey. It's what you said, like that little voice is still sometimes there, but it's so worth it. If, you, if I look back at where I came from, of having that voice almost, well, not 24-7, but so much going in that driver's seat and now having it in the back seat, it's still there. Sometimes it's like, you're annoying. <laughs> but the overall thing in life is so much oh it's so much better. So I really if anybody hears this who is still in the midst of things, it is worth it. Like no, it will never go away totally maybe, but it's so worth it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you Murta for sharing your story. Um I really appreciated our conversation and if people want to go and check you out, um, follow you
1: somewhere. Where can they find you? Well, I'm still working on <laughs> showing myself <laughs> a bit. Uh, I did a lot of trainings and stuff, so I'm I'm um, I have to see exactly. But I have an Instagram page where you can find me. I think you have the link to that. So, uh, it's yeah, it's meer meer underscore kaan. Maybe a bit difficult for non English people to. Um,
0: I'll put a link to that in the show notes, <laughs> and people can go and find you there.
1: Yeah, um, and I'm starting up my business now, so that is something that will come a bit later.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so if people follow you there, then they will hear all about.
1: They will hear your about new Yeah, and I also sent you the link to the ITTI where I work with the company, but that's not my own um, thing, so. That's for a company where I work
0: with. Um, i would put a link to that too. If anybody wanted to check that out. It sounds really, I'm really fascinated by those things as well. It's like, oh.
1: Super interesting. You'd
0: see where like, yeah. And sometimes it really Goes, I know that about myself, but somebody else named it through like a test or. Yeah. Through yeah, any of these things. So again, thanks so much for being part of the Joyful Nourishment podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. The Joyful Nourishment podcast is produced with no financial backing and your support means a lot to keep this project going. If this episode has been helpful in any way, please consider liking, subscribing, or leaving a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. This helps the podcasts to be found by others. And of course, you can also forward this episode to a friend whom you think may benefit find out more about what I offer on straightforwardnutrition.com and if you're interested in working with me please use the link in the show notes to book in for a free initial 30-minute session and finally please come and join the Joyful Nourishment community over on Substack unless you're there already by subscribing to my newsletter using the link below